0: Welcome to Q Talks, a podcast series by QTech, the Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise Club. I'm Edward.
1: Hi, and I'm Shine. We'll be your host today for the Fireside Chat. And we're hosting the incredible Tavi Kotka. Tavi is an entrepreneur and the first chief information officer of the government of Estonia. He is a pioneer of the digital nation e-Estonia and the co-founder of the world's first e-residency program. Tavi holds a Master of Science of Engineering and his PhD studies in Tallinn University of Technology. He previously worked in the private sector, starting his career as a programmer before rising to be the CEO of the region's largest software development company, now known as Nordl. During this time, Tavi was named EY's Entrepreneur of the Year. Tavi is now back in the private sector, helping startups develop and consulting large enterprises and governments on digital transformation. He's also a special advisor to the European Commission Vice President on European Digital Single Market. So, hi Tavi, thank you for joining us today.
2: Great to be here, yeah, hello. I'm an engineer, so uh, many of the things we talk about today, uh, I actually have built as an engineer, so uh, you can actually ask me very complicated questions, a very technical questions if you want.
0: Just to begin everything, our first topic will actually be on technology and entrepreneurial aspects of estonia So we wanted you to give a brief overview from the very beginning, how did it all start and how did you end up in your position now? Like how was the project E-Estonia basically started and what were your initial tasks?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, it has been a long, st- uh, long journey, and uh, I can't claim that I started it. No, I mean, uh, when the first major initiatives happened, uh, I was just a uh, young programmer, like I think 19 years old, uh, when the first big things came out. So uh, many things happened before me, uh, way before me. But uh, do you all under- like do you understand that the logic behind the Estonia is? Uh, you have to understand that uh, Estonia is a very small country, like 1.3 million people only, but on the same time it's a huge country land-wise. So it's bigger than Switzerland or Belgium or Netherlands or Denmark or like, like name it. So which means that the average uh, density uh, per square kilometer is not like uh, significant, and this brings you a, a huge problem like. Uh, Especially for the private sector, like you can't have a bank office in every small town; it's just not economically efficient. Or you can't have a government officer in every village, like so there are not enough people. So it was clear to the like Estonian uh, government and Estonian people that we need to push. To, we need to push our nation to use internet, to use self-service. So uh, we like to say, there is not enough people to serve other people. Which is not totally different with challenges. For example, you see in Asia, uh, and and the same challenge actually there is—it's it's the same challenge in Norway. It's the same challenge in Sweden. It's the same challenge in in uh, in Finland. Where you, yes, like in capital and larger cities, like uh, you have a high density. But uh, outside of those areas, like uh, the only way to survive is basically like take care of yourself. Like so. Uh, so it was like, uh, for us, like uh, a clear signal. And the private sector started uh, to push people towards self-service. And uh, the government continued and followed. Like, uh, and if you want to push people uh, to self-service, uh, like you have to like, solve certain questions. Like for example, uh, and it, this, is, this actually happened in, in year 2000 or even in, in like earlier, like uh, first thing. Okay, we push people to use self-service. How do we know that exactly Tavi Kotka is behind the computer? Maybe it's his brother, or like some stranger, or like somebody who has like stolen his identity. Like, how can we be clearly sure? So first thing like the government did together with private sector is that let's issue a national digital identity let's give everybody a digital name and also let's give them a chance to authenticate themselves in a way uh, that we can be sure, the government can be sure that behind the computer is particularly that person. And this happened way before smartphones. So it was like, uh, as I said, it was like 1999, 2000, it was a time of computers. Like, uh, Like, iPhone came 2007, 2008. So, uh, uh, and, uh, and like, to push it even further, like, the government actually gives in Estonia a guarantee that, uh, uh, let's say, Edvard, you are stealing my identity somehow. I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine how it happens, but let's say it happens. And uh, you make a fraud or something that uh, has, like, economical uh, consequences. So the Estonian government takes uh, liability up to 1 million euro like to cover that. So which means that we are so sure that our security, our cyber security, is so strong that uh, like we can trust digital solutions more. Right? We actually only nation who heavily uses digital signature and the proper one, not like sign, but like the proper, like uh, proper crypto, uh, uh, like encrypted, uh, like digital signature that is like legal at court and in all courts in Europe actually. So uh, we're so sure about this that we can, like, give out those kind of, uh, like, how uh, say, I can't say benefits, but guarantees that, that, like, we take up at least one million in liability if needed. Actually, sure, it wasn't one million, it was five million, sorry, my mistake. Five million as a liability. Like, uh, if, you are, if, if I'm uh, capable to show that it wasn't, like, me giving Edward my pin codes, but somehow Edward was capable to compromise the system. So that's how it all started. And then it's a long story. Like So uh, 2000 was like basically the beginning, I think. And the next question should be, Edward, like, uh, like, like was it like a simple, smooth ride? And my answer would be <laughs> no. I mean, a uh, great thing about this new kind of technologies, uh, one good aspect about Estonia is that... Um, uh, to explain you uh, slightly uh, a little bit of history, uh, Estonia is uh, as old country as Finland. So if you consider Finland as a country, then you should uh, consider Estonia as a country because the independence, be uh, declared independence two months later than Finland. So uh, Finland is uh, December uh, nineteen seventeen, and we are February nineteen eighteen. So that's like basically the same age countries. And uh, before the Second World War, Estonia was actually a richer country than Finland. So, uh, and also, like, it's a very important stand. So, uh, but our development stopped because of the war and uh, the Soviet Union occupation and et cetera. So we started from 1991, we started again, like, uh, to build up our country. And uh, which means that uh, we didn't have actually, like, the the budgets or the money to, to invest a lot when we started. And uh, this was actually a benefit because let's say Australia have tried to issue national digital identities twice through history. And uh, both times they have failed because like uh, the second government will kill the, uh, what the first government did. Like, so the, those, those reforms, they take more than four years. And as they take more than four years, it's easy to the next politician to say that everything that was done before, it's a crap. And actually the same thing happened with us i mean yes we started to issue the national digital identities it was a mandatory document so everybody had to have it but in the beginning you get this chicken and egg problem like you don't have enough like uh, services for the people to use the identity so people think like why do i need this and at the same time companies don't see like why they should provide services uh because like nobody used them like, think about bitcoin like this has been there like uh, already. Almost a decade, and still we are thinking like, oh, where can I use it? Like so, uh, the same kind of like chicken leg thing. So uh, and and for us, uh, obviously, all these reforms they actually took uh, like uh, many many years. Like uh, for identity, seven years. For our data exchange platforms, like uh, eight ten years. Like uh, so, so it takes time, and uh, luckily. Those investments were like significant for the young country and we couldn't afford to fail. So we have to keep trying to make those innovations happening. Like, and, uh, and now we are glad that we had the patience because like many countries have tried and not many of them actually have succeeded. Like, so especially in the Western world, like, I mean, let's talk about uh, unique identifiers in the UK and like open your mouth and you will be killed like the next day. So anyways, like, uh, let's make it more interesting. I could just talk like one hour about this, but uh, ask, ask more questions. Like, Makes it more interesting for you mm-hmm. also.
1: OK. Um, so let's go into like, a bit of a zoom of how you went about solving these problems. Um, you're an engineer by trade. Um, can you go with us again, the problem solving behind this? How did you go about the, the technology behind Estonia? How did you marry the ambitions between, you know, behind the country and the technology development strategy?
2: I mean, like uh, all the software engineers who are sitting like here behind the screen, like you basically know that uh, there is no difference between different systems. Like, uh, for example, if you compare a patient registry at a hospital, let's say, with a population registry or like, uh, let's say, a customer base uh, for a company, it's still the same object. Like a person or a company, and if you like, look at the attributes. Like every person has a name, surname, uh, address. Uh, the person uses services. In the, at the hospital, we actually call this uh, customer. We call the patient. In in a in, in in a car dealer, we call them customers. Like, but for the information uh, technology, like it's the same object. So basically, all the systems are the same. Like. Like stakeholders, then you have like use cases, then you have like you say you sell them services, every service has a price, uh, price meets that like you have to issue an invoice. If there's an invoice, there's a payment. If the payment is not paid, then like it's uh, unpaid payment, like so you have to construct some kind of control mechanism and uh, messaging, etc. So and it doesn't matter if it's like uh, it's, it's a hospital or it's a car dealer system, like in more or less it's the same. It's a, there's a question of like uh, different use cases and sometimes there are 60 times and sometimes there are 200, like, but I mean, more or less it's the same. And uh, somehow, uh, globally, uh, there are people who doesn't want to understand this. And uh, they are not engineers. Engineer engineers like they understand this, but like people like um, I don't want to point, but uh, let's say uh, like has a lawyer background or or or, or a politician background. Like so, so uh, like uh, uh, in nineteen nineties uh, and also like in the beginning of two thousand, uh, huge transition happened in uh, private sector. Uh, you are too young to remember that, but. Uh, it used to be that, uh, let's say, if you, if you are like a, a company like BMW, and uh, so you had a system like how to like, construct a car and who are the uh, providers who actually participate in this process and like, who provide with your parts, et cetera. And then uh, you have like dealers and then you have like logistics, et cetera. And they used to be all independent systems. So you had customer data in the logistics, you had the customer data in the sales, you had the customer data in dealers, you had the customer data like in production, like, so it was a mess. Like some, sometimes the dealer actually sold the car uh, not even having it in the stock. So uh, uh, everyone stood like, oh no, 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 this is not the way to go. It actually like when we, like, when we started to build those kind of systems in 1970s, like that was the, how say, structure back then. But then, like, uh, it was the first big way of of digital transformation, which means that uh, everyone understood that, oh, let's agree that customer data appears only in one place. And let's call it, let's say, sales system or CRM or something like that. So nobody else, no logistics, no ERP, nobody else can store customer data because we are not capable to follow, like, uh, how to change this data. I mean, let's say customer might change the name, like gets married or something like. So we have to replace the name in, in so multiple places. Let's say it's better have the customer in one place only. And let's agree that logistics are only the people who are taking care of the getting the like the, the product to the customer. And nobody else is allowed to use it to deal with that. So it, like, it sounds like common sense. And the private sector actually did those reforms. And they were heavy reforms like uh, 15, 20 years ago. But uh, we haven't seen these reforms happening in government yet. In, like uh, with, with some exceptions, like, uh, like, uh, Slovenia, China, Singapore, uh, a couple of others. Uh, which means that, uh, let's say, if you look at the, the government systems in the UK, every bloody department have their own customer base. Like, who are your customers? Like, you issue a driving license to refer to the population registry, or you record your own names and surnames and addresses. So the same attribute, same data, actually appears in so many places. Now think about it, like if you talk about cybersecurity, they, they like it's always a question like, i like say, uh, uh, like how much should I invest in to protect my system? And, and let's say you are actually investing tens of millions. And on the same time that, let's say, Ministry of Agriculture, uh, they don't invest as much. But as they have the same data, so what's the point for you to spend millions or tens of millions if still the same data will be lost in other ministries? So this reform actually hasn't happened like in, in, in uh, government sectors in many countries, but has happened in my country. And you see the benefits like uh, the power, when you actually can combine information from the private sector and public sector. That actually, it's a big thing like, uh, let's say, the same problem uh, for all other countries like Germany, uh, UK, US, Canada, Australia, like uh, and the list goes on. That the private sector and government sector cannot see you as a person, as an object, in the same way. I mean, uh, in UK you have a unique identifier, like right, which means that uh, everybody like, gets like a personal code or something. But there is limits how how this personal code can be used. And it's not the same uh, for the private sector. So uh, the North Europe, not only Estonia, but let's say Denmark, Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, they all have uh, unique identifiers. So we, we are born, we get the digital number, eleven-digit number, and uh, you can actually use that uh, everywhere. Like and like, actually you are you
0: are how uh, say obliged to use that everywhere. I think you brought up a lot of interesting points there. I want to pick up one on on the data silo issue. I think that's very interesting. Um, you mentioned the fact that, at least in private sector, there's still this lot sort of you know silos in between departments. How do you ensure that this happens? I mean, can you share a bit more about the technology behind it? I mean, for private sector, for example, a lot of companies these days are uh, doing open APIs and et cetera. that is that the kind of system that you're looking at as well? Do you see my screen? Yeah, we can see your screen. I see your ID. I'm okay. Not sure if that's supposed to be shared publicly.
2: That's your problem, Edward. <laughs> that's the problem of underdeveloped countries. <laughs> like, you think that this is a secret number. It's not hmm. my digital name. So I, I think your name is quite unique. Like, but let's say your name is John Smith, yeah. right? So uh, how many John Smiths are in the UK? Thousands?
0: Maybe even more, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So let's say we want to do automated tax system, tax declaration system for UK. Let's say we want to do that. So how the fucking hell we combine information from the government and from the bank? I mean, if you are doing, uh, let's say, uh, share transactions, you are, you, are, you are speculating on the market and you are buying and selling shares mm. and you get profit. Like, this needs to be declared, and this needs to be calculated uh, and put in your tax declaration. So, which means that if you want to do it 100% automated, uh, the bank needs to send the information to the government. So, if there's a John Smith here and John Smith there, how are we going to connect that data? Yeah. They have to have the same unique identifier, and that's the thing, like, inside the red box yeah so that's my unique identifier like uh, and please feel free to use it if you can harm me there is something wrong with our society because this is nothing more than my name and you're not ashamed of your name like or or do you so in digital world we have to have digital names because john smith is not enough i can't connect john smith with other database because i don't know if it's the same john smith but if i can be assured that this name like 379 etc like uh, in one system is the same 379 in another system, I can connect that data because it's the same person. And it actually happens, like if, if, if you're a digital engineer or IT engineer, like you know that this is the way how you build all kinds of systems. Like let's say you have a customer base, you give the customer number, like you have a registry of cars, you give every car number, like, and it has to be a unique one. By the way, every person has many unique identifiers. People don't think about like, like uh, your, your email address, like, Unique, your mobile number. Unique. I mean, if it wouldn't be unique, like, how the hell the letter knows how where to go? Like, or like, uh, if I call to you, like, I can't reach you if there are like two same numbers. Like, so, 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 it's actually very obvious that this this is the way how to build the systems. The hard part is that like most of the Anglo-Saxon countries they think it's a privacy concern somehow. So, which like makes me sick basically because like uh, if I ask you a question like. Do you know who has approached your medical data? Do you know? I mean, can you say that, like, yes, I know this or that doctor or this nurse has approached my medical data? Can you know that? Do you actually know where is your medical data? No, I'm safe. <laughs> why, how the hell do you say that the current system actually protects your privacy? That's true.: yeah.
0: Yes, in my faith, <laughs> and trust to yeah,
2: your faith right. Like. But what if you actually have a tool to see who has looked at the data? What if all the hospitals or like, whatever you like, everybody, like let's say every like, nurse or doctor who actually approaches your data is logged, and, and you see who has done this? What if you see that there is a name that you can't recognize? And then you make a request to the hospital why this person like, actually looked at my data? And if there are no clear answers, this person goes to jail.
0: I think I would trust the system more. I mean, more transparency and traceability, basically, right?
2: If there is more transparency, if all people know that, like, whatever they do with the system, I mean, all Estonian doctors have, a, uh, they have a grant, like, they can approach anybody, any Estonian uh, medical he- history. Like, if you're a surgeon, like, you want to look at Edward Nelson Kosasik uh, uh, data, like, please, look at it. But if you don't have a reason, you just want to sneak or peek, you go to jail. Now think about like, you become a doctor, how many years you have to study? Seven, 11, something like that. Seven minimum and then you practice two plus two. So 11 years of your career, you study and then you lose everything just because you want to sneak or peek. It has happened. You do a couple of public hangings and it gets better. So uh, that's how you, you, you get, the, get the systems to talk to each other and people trust the system because they actually have a control. That's the whole point of GDPR. Sad part is they actually fucked up with this reform. Like, so uh, it has never happened in a way as it's supposed to be, but
0: at least it's a good start. How did you, I'm just curious, how did you first enforce every department to agree on this one unique ID? You should use this ID for that same person and not build your own indexes. And-
2: you know? I don't know. I mean, uh, if uh, the, if government has national ID and says, like, everybody can use it, like, uh, like in India there's an Aadhaar number, or like in China there is also unique identifiers everybody, like, ha- having them. Uh, it uh, simplifies the system. I mean, nobody wants uh, fraud in their system. Nobody wants duplicated uh, records in their system. So if you can avoid this as an engineer, like, you actually do it. And then government says, like, no, 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 no. Like, it's not a secret number, use it, it's a public number. Like, just a digital name, like, uh, makes things more simple. Obviously, everybody uses it. Because, like, just a name and a birthday is not enough. Like, uh, John, two Sean Smiths can have, like, uh, a birthday on the same day. That's up. Uh, but you had a question about silos. So uh, that was how I was explaining. So in Estonia, what we have is, uh, this is a picture of our famous X-Road. It looks like a service bus. But it's not. It's actually point-to-point connection. It's like Skype, which was created in Estonia. So if there are any Swedes or Danes in the, mo- in the audience, then uh, screw you. It was our engineers who actually built it. So so uh, we, the company was started by a Dane and the, by, the, by a Swedish guy. The actual picture of XROAD is this. Uh, if the green dots are uh, uh, public registries and uh, black lines are connections between those registries, but uh, this picture looks like a spaghetti, so it's not cool for politicians. So for politicians, we actually show this picture, like way better. Uh, but it explains that uh, in Estonia we have the same rules, like I explained about the private sector, that everybody can uh, only store information that is meant to them. So let's say car registry can only keep data about the cars and the relations uh, between the people and the cars and between be, be the people and the licenses, but uh, nobody else can like, so there is no other registry in Estonia who actually stores that information, which makes it uh, way more efficient to protect. And even like obviously Estonia also faces cyber attacks and, and we have been hacked, etc. but then we only use fraction of data. So uh, let's say if you want to see like who owns what car, then yes, you can, uh, let's say you break in the car database and you get the information about all the cars there are in Estonia. But to get also the people who owns those cars, like you need to also hack the population register, which is different ministry, different technology, et cetera. So by design, like... uh, Having this very fraction data, like every ministry, every department keeping only the information they need, and they only they are only also they, that they also mandated to, to collect, and nobody else is mandated to collect that data, means that like even if you have cyber attacks, like you only use you only use fraction fraction of data, it doesn't make sense. So so here, for example, in this picture, there are more than three thousand systems like talking with each other. Like right? so, yes, you hacked in to one, but like to make a significant uh, impact to our society, you actually have to design at least 500, 600 attacks, which is theoretically possible, but mathematically it's very expensive.
0: Yeah, I think this is a very interesting look. I am personally studying network science so studying the structure and you know degree distribution and behavior of a graph is something that is very interesting. I see a couple of critical and central notes there. But
2: uh, yeah, I mean let's uh, you uh, can assume that population registry definitely is, is uh, a significant part, like so you can if you can attack population registry definitely it uh, it it, be, it impacts you
0: yeah but uh, but like you said random attacks probably wouldn't disrupt the connection yeah. to the network to stay connected just one question I think some audience have also been asking uh, in, in before like when you say when you talk about traceability of unique ideas, the fact that you could trace who has access to your data and blah 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 right that sounds. A lot like what blockchain is trying to achieve with that single source of truth. Uh,
2: you know that... that they actually came yeah. here to look for Satoshi. Oh. I mean, they <laughs> came up to point. Estonia. I mean, like nobody has seen a t- Satoshi. Like yep. nobody knows Satoshi's name. So uh, they came to Estonia also because the math- math- mathematicians here, uh, their work was very similar uh, uh, to the blockchain. Uh, so and they thought that like it might be initiated also uh, from Estonia, like uh, uh, but they left without any luck. So sorry, like uh, uh, it wasn't Estonian. But uh, yes, many of those technologies we have been using are very similar to blockchain, and they have been in place way way before blockchain.
1: I think I just have. There's a question that's sort of burning from what you've been just saying up till now, um, but you have mentioned about you know the efficiency, having all the information centralized in one place, all of them speaking to each other directly, and why basically do other countries? You know, you mentioned the UK. Why do other countries not use this model? Uh, I know, you've mentioned China that they have their different model. I would love to hear your thoughts about that. But how come you know? The whole world hasn't gone and followed Estonia and done like you know used your expertise and like gone after you.
2: You There are many countries who actually done this and even better than me. I think uh, China is even ahead of us like uh, uh, Singapore not but but definitely China. Uh, India is moving very rapidly because it's a common sense. It's an engineering common sense but uh, I mean, maybe shiny you want to answer this by yourself, like uh, uh, like uh, why other countries have been have not been following this. I mean, honest answer is there, like uh, there are like many different uh, obstacles. First thing, like uh, it's a huge it's a huge huge change. So if you don't have uh, enough pain, you don't make this change happen. I mean let's say the odd reform in china in india was uh solving a huge uh i'll say pain india had which was corruption and then uh, giving giving getting like like support uh like money or, or food like to the right people like so they were solving concrete case like and that like came out as a, like extremely successful reform like uh uh but like if you are like a swiss or, or a person in the uk like life is good i mean like it, it seems to be good like so like well, i mean like i can even say no to european union like so uh so uh like if i can do that like then like having this kind of i don't know data flowing between be private and public sector like who cares like doesn't like Concerned me that, oh, most probably the AI and machine learning does, doesn't make any more, much sense like in my country, but, and, and other countries are moving faster than I do, but like, I, who cares? Like, it's a democracy, so we can decide this way. Like, so, fun uh, so thing is definitely like, uh, like to make this change happen, the pain needs to be bigger than the effort. And at the moment, it's not there. Uh, so, you can't actually see why you are losing. The second thing is that uh, you need government officers to make those kind of things happen, and it was it was explained to me by by Germans that uh, there is that like a layer of government officers who are not motivated to do that. The third thing is, uh, which is not the case of let's say Germany or UK, but it's a more case of South South, South Europe or let's say Asian countries is corruption. You can't pry a computer, but if you uh, automate those processes they become transparent which means that like uh uh if they are transparent like uh like how the hell i gonna get my private money so today if i leave the paper from here to here i get, I, I i get like one hundred thousand rupees right but if the automation happens, like, I can't do this anyway. Like, so, so that's why, for example, you don't see too much innovation in Italy or in Russia or in, in, in the government sector, like. So, uh, so, uh, so there are like different layers, different reasons in, in, in all the different countries. But in Anglo-Saxon countries, mostly how they kill you is that uh, whenever you start talking talk about digital transformation and innovation in government sector, they bring in privacy which we already covered, like, uh, which is actually, I say, wrong. I mean, wrong in a way that, like, they think that the current system, what they have, is private. Well, it's far from the privacy. Like, so, so uh, and that's very easy. Like, uh, yesterday, uh, there was a report about AI and machine learning capabilities in different countries, uh, and uh, I participated there to, to explain all this, uh, again, like... Uh, like the only thing you hear is that like what are the risks, what are the potential risks, what are the like like the world will collapse if you do this that, and third thing, and then like, come on, like uh, like you should benefit from technology like, not to be afraid of that, but like many government officers, they actually pose, say protecting their own butts.
1: So I think that kind of leads us to the next thing that we wanted to ask you, um, was talking a bit about like, the hardships. Um, how did you get about your citizens to adopt the technology, uh, whether it be, for example, the elderly Yeah, your citizens?
2: Yeah. Very, very good answer. They didn't know. <laughs> I mean, like, we started in 1990s. So uh, not too many people actually have computers. Like, so, which means that and the internet was, uh, for the public use, I think it was available uh, mostly for the world uh, globally. It was like 1994. So, uh, just like five, six years from like internet. Uh, so, uh, many of those reforms were put in place without uh, questioning. And uh, that's actually one of the messages we always say about this. You have to trust your engineers. Like. Like, like you asked like, the previous question, like Shine why doesn't on, other countries have done this? Because they don't listen to engineers. Because uh, having unique identifiers is not a political question, it's an engineering question. Right? I can't combine two systems if there is no single same unique identifier. I can't. John Smith, John Smith, I can't do that. So politicians, I understand that you want to do that, but I can't. As an engineer, I tell you, like I need this unique identifier. It's basically like saying to the German that please build me a car, but you can't use a wheel. How the hell I gonna build a car if you can't use a wheel? And that's where the thing stops. Like so so, so the same thing here, like uh, in many cases, we just did it. Like, did we ask from the people do you want uh, uh voting over the internet? No. I mean, like 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 an average imagination of a person is limited. So if you go like to the people and ask like, oh, people, yeah, do you have ideas what to do with the country? So what is the average answer you get? Actually, you get an average answer. Like, but listen, like the average answer like gives you a chance to move on or move forward. Never. Mm. You have to trust certain people. Like you have to trust certain like. And you know in our case, our people trusted uh, other people, but our people, our politicians, they trusted engineers. There was a moment where people, uh, politicians, understood that, hmm, if if I'm an innovative minister, I get votes, and that was a big, big success. Like so, because like, if you look at those, like, (laughs) uh, sorry, I mean, if there are people from US, like, I saw this uh, election day, like, uh, like just standing in the two-kilometer queues to get like to the voting station to get like. Make your marks done, like like really. How many hours you waited? I mean, um, uh, when I was when I sold my first company, uh, I felt that I owe something to my children, and then and, and back then I had three children, and uh, so I took two other ones, and we went around the world trip, and our first stop was uh, JF Kennedy Airport, and uh, and like if you go to the JFK. Uh, like okay, today it's like nothing, but like back then there was like people. So uh, you you saw this like ropes and like people standing and waiting in the immigration lines, etc. Like so, and my children asked me, "What is this?" And I was like, "What? Like like it's uh, people standing and waiting." No, no, like like how you call this? No, I call this a queue. What is a queue? So I had to explain to my children like what is the like uh, like. Uh, like, meaning of the word queue, because, like, uh, I mean, yes, they have seen the, like, five, six persons standing in a grocery store, but, like, like uh, organizing people in lines, imagine that you can build a society without that.
1: Obviously, your children grow up in a world where they kind of grow into, and they have, obviously, oh, you people, to help yeah. them. But the elderly are, you know, non-digital literate people. You have yeah. a divide. Some people don't know how to access. And you yeah, said you right. didn't even have computers. So how do you even go about teaching these people, is it your responsibility as...
2: You're absolutely right. One day you become an excellent lawyer. (laughs) So uh, what about them? Like, uh, that's actually the biggest uh, excuse, uh, one of the biggest excuse, like, why not to do anything? Because what about the other people?
1: That in our country, I can say this has stopped a lot of digital transformations because of this.
2: And then uh, an arrogant Estonian says to you to know, like, uh, who cares? Because the thing that the 20% of the people are not capable to use doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it for 80%. And that's the national approach for us. Like, let's solve the problem for the 80%. And we know that 20% are not capable to use it, or it's too complicated, or they don't have devices, or they don't have skills. Doesn't matter. We solve it for the 80%. Let them to start using it. Let's learn how to use this. And then, like gradually let's say try to onboard others e voting like people voting over the internet it was introduced in 2005 so 15 years ago 15 years ago we had our first uh, elections over the internet like what, were there any elder people participating but if you look at the statistics now it's actually mostly used by elder people because it's a cool cool tool yes in the beginning it wasn't like good enough for them because they didn't have skills now they have, and they are actually as you know, elder people are more like uh, participating in the voting than, than the young people and and uh, now, if there are great tools for them to use also like and they know how to use them like they're happy so uh, the o- honest answer is like it's not a relevant question because like solve it for the eighty percent, see the benefits if there are no benefits, then who. We didn't push also the other people to use that card, but uh, like if you see the benefits, like they will start using it. Our nation, like uh, most popular um, uh, e-service, is e-prescription. The fact you don't have to go to doctor, like you just go to the pharmacy. Any pharmacy, they all have like connected, so you just show your ID card and like uh, or issue like your unique identifier, and they will say, oh, you want to buy this, that, or other thing. Like you want like original uh, medicine or like you want to have copy one, like so. It's all there and I didn't have to go to the doctor and like uh, it all magically happens like uh, behind the scene I the they love it it's the most popular service in Estonia for years since like 2009 I think so and like we didn't introduce that to them in the beginning we started with like 80 percent like so that's your answer
0: well, that's interesting so I think Estonia has gone a long way from having to convince people to adopt a new technology to a point where you sort of have a majority of citizens now adopting your e-services. And you are sort of now expanding it even to overseas citizens, right? With e-residents. You're sort of encouraging people not who not Estonians to also make use of e-services in Estonia. Could you share a bit more about what that is and maybe what e-resident is?
2: Every time we talk about uh like why Estonia does this or that, like there has to be a reason like so uh reason behind anything like so uh, before we go there, um, I ask you to remember. Anna, oh, no, I can't actually have this question. You're too young. Like, uh, do you know how your parents bought
0: music? Just records. CDs, I would say. we well,
1: right. don't
0: even call
2: it a CD. Cassettes. Yet? Cassettes or records. I yeah, okay. cassettes. Um, have you seen like anybody using cassettes? I mean, it was a very old technology and it was very hard, like like I'd say one album was like on the one side and the other side of the cassette and like you get like that particular song playing, like it was very, like you had to go forward and then back and then try to like uh, find the right place where the song uh, started, like so uh, it was a mess. And... Uh, you know, like uh basically had to ho- uh, like listen the whole album like uh to to get your 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 song like uh, to be to, to be listened and then c d came and c d was like a huge innovation like it was a like significant innovation like uh instead of going back and forward like just say oh play please the song number six and uh, the, also, the, uh, the the sound quality was like extremely high, and basically comparable uh, with the quality we get to, from YouTube today. Like so, uh, uh, and everything everybody thought like, oh, that's the that's the paradise, like that's the nirvana, that's the end game. And um, and then Steve Jobs came, and 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 somehow we understood that oh, there is no point to uh, buy the whole album if you just like one song. So I have a graph here. Like you can't, I think, read this. But 20 years ago, just 20 years ago, the red one was CD. So CD was the most popular way to buy music. And this graph goes to 19, 2013. Like I don't have a fresh one. Like so, uh, but it makes the point clear. Like nobody buys CDs anymore. So it used to be to one CD. CD costed like 10, 15 bucks. So if you and if you only like one song from the from the album then you had to buy let's say 100 albums to get 100 song playlist and 100 plus multiplied by 15 like you get uh, 1500 uh, bucks for 100 song playlist come on like like it's ridiculous so uh, I, and and uh, it was reformed which means that like now we listen youtube or spotify or soundcloud and we pay uh, five ninety nine if we want to listen music without advertisements and uh, we pay nothing if you want if we are willing to listen some advertisements like uh. and we don't actually think about the fact that uh, those CDs were sold by local uh, local people like there was a cd store in every corner basically like and uh, all those people are bankrupt now or like they had to find a new job like and you you don't care about this because like come on like 15 bucks for one album compared with a 5.99 and they can get the the whole world like music in my in my phone like instantly so you're not just in the business like so get used to it like uh like like i mean you have to be bankrupt and you don't think about that. If I use Spotify, I actually pay to Swedes. Like you don't think about this. Like or like if you travel with Uber, then the payment goes through Netherlands. So the Dutch people also get some 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 grease on their finger. Like so so uh, you don't like. I mean that's life. Like and and you are motivated to see all this from your own personal perspective. And the se- the second big thing is to understand before I go to a residency is that. If changes happen, and like radical changes happen, like you see from the music industry, uh, if changes happen, they happen super rapidly. And similar, uh, 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 like graph, uh, it's a share of Nokia. And you see that like in 2007, uh, Q3, basically when Apple came to the market, they were the king of the world. They owned more than 50% of the global uh, smartphone market. And with less than six years, they are from here to doing nothing. And like how this is possible, like you are the market leader, you are the biggest one on the market. You can't see that you're out of business with less than six years. So like that's another thing that like when, when, when changes happen in digital societies and, 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 and different disciplines, like they happen happen so rapidly that like, uh, like even the best ones can't predict. So which leads us to the next question. So, uh, the question is, like, um, how to become a 10 million nation? Estonia, I just remind you, is 1.3. So, we don't even aim, aim like, uh, 1 billion. Like, uh, but let's say, from 1.3 million to 10. Why 10? Then, the largest country in Nordics is Sweden. It's 9.6. So, then, put slightly above the Swedes. And as they have ruled us, like in history, like I mean, this could be a good revenge, like, so. So, becoming the largest like country in Nordics, like so. Let's like think as engineers at the moment. And back then, I was in the government, a deputy minister uh, in the matters of ICT. So, uh, a nation needs to get from 1.3 million to 10. Like, how are we going to solve this problem? I mean, you are Cambridge guys, like and ladies, like. So, like, how are we going to solve this problem? Like, what is the like? What are the ways, like, how to get from one point three million to ten?
1: As a Jewish person, I could just say, you know, babies. That's a-
2: <laughs> but exactly, <this> is- <laughs> exactly exactly exactly. Like, I have two of them here. Actually. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to listen. So that, yeah, Jewish way like actually it's an Egypt way like like you can do children like uh, so for example Egypt uh, pops out one in Estonia every year like right? so their population increases one point five million every year like right? so but in Estonia we have a slightly negative birth rate so um, not an option and so I when I went to my wife and said like uh, you know I have this idea like how to get to ten million and one way is like go that had organic growth like uh she said like yeah yeah yeah, it might be a good idea but this shop is closed or maybe one more Uh, but like this shop is closed and uh even if you go with this like uh she's extremely smart lady so she said like uh, but you know like the first 25 years that the children are just liability like so even if you invest like it's a very like long-term investment like and like uh, it doesn't pay back you as as as, as, as quickly as you want it to be, and so so like okay, this option doesn't work. So, but we still have this challenge, on one point three to ten. How do you get there? And then start start think about it. Like, if we we'll be as Estonians, we are capable to uh, we are capable to uh, uh, like serve our own uh, people, uh, our own diaspora. All around the world because everything is digital all the private sector services or the government services they're all digital and if they even if they're not uh, you can always use digital signature so even if there is you have to fill some kind of application or like uh show your like say ideas needs whatever like you just like do a word document you sign it digitally, you send it like and it's all legal proof at court so uh so if we are capable to serve our diaspora like, uh, which means that, like, why should we only serve our own people? Why don't we serve everybody who wants to be, how to say, digital nomad? Let's say, uh, tomorrow you want to be in Paris, uh, next year, okay, I don't want to COVID, you have to stay at home, but let's say, let's think about, like, the old terms. Or Erwin, let's think about COVID. Uh, let's think about the example of uh, music industry. I mean, if you become an entrepreneur, if become an entrepreneur in Germany, uh, the average cost becomes a self, uh, uh, self-hired entrepreneur in, in, in Germany, the yearly cost is 5,000 euros. And now there is a country who says like, ah, but if you do, and like 5,000 euros minimum, and the huge bureaucracy. And then there is another offer. Uh, you can choose another European country. You are inside the same European Union. You can use the same German banks. You don't have to use Estonian banks. Use human beings, but just the bureaucracy part is done by Estonians. You don't have to do anything except like uh, picturing your invoices, and uh, and it it costs you seventy-five bucks per month, so less than a thousand per year. Now you have like cassette or CD or five ninety-nine Spotify, and what do you think the people are going to do? Do they actually care about the corner shop that went to the bankrupt? So that's like, uh, that's the basic logic. And then uh, Estonians are actually, uh, like, Estonia is not a tax haven. So uh, you still have to pay your taxes in Israel or in Germany. Like, uh, But uh, the fact that you don't have to spend, like, on lawyers, you don't have, oh, sorry, uh, accounting people. <laughs> You still have to spend the lawyers definitely because yeah, trying sure to get the work. So, so. Uh, um, uh, uh, but it's just like more convenient. Like that's the way how the thing should go. I mean, like hassling with the CD was actually a very complex thing. Like, uh, like, like. Okay, I'm done with Madonna. I want to like, listen Prince Adams or something like that. I have to like change the CDs all the time. Like it's a hassle. Like why can't you just play like? And now think about like, instead of having like hassle with my own country, like, can I have like, uh, so, like, like, can somebody provide me a service? If I'm an engineer, I don't want to deal with taxes or like some kind of government progress. Like, I just want to do my engineering. And that's like what governments don't understand. Like, they think they have monopoly over the uh, private sector and they have a monopoly over the service they're providing to people. But you already have seen that, let's say, in education. Hmm, you're in Cambridge. But you are not all people from the UK, right? At least the Estonian guy doesn't. So he's lost. I mean, like Estonian education system has lost Arthur to Cambridge, which means that like a huge big brain, gone. So we don't have a monopoly over education. Like, uh, there is somebody who provides better, that is more attractive for Arthur, and that's why he leaves. Now think about it. Like if this happens in healthcare or in business environments, it's a global war. So countries always have been in war about talent, about services, about I mean, come on, how the Switzerland became rich, like, or why that health wealth is like uh, I mean, Edward, where is the like uh, headquarters of Apple? In the U.S. Or in the U.S., but like more, more accurately. Delaware? Is it Delaware? Or... I mean, they are incorporated in Delaware.
0: But the office would be in California, yeah?
2: yeah the office is in Silicon Valley. Uh, Coca-Cola, headquarter, Atlanta, incorporated. Delaware. Why? Because the environment is better. The services are better. And that's what matters in the end. Like uh if you're a business minded person or business minded like corporation, you care about cost, you care, care about simplicity, so that's the reason. Like so <clears throat> that's the magic. Like um if like COVID actually changed a lot, uh in one way and on the same day, it didn't actually change a lot. Like uh uh more and more people actually feel like uh digital nomads so you can't say that oh i will stay and live in a place i was born since like eternity like until my death it's not so i mean like you want to see the world let's say the COVID time passes or even if there is COVID time and you have to start like stay like in 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 your in you are stuck in your in your physical location like like can you have do, do you have to buy the service like from your own government or not that's challenging, and that's what the residency is challenging. Like, uh, if you have a business like this, and like uh, people are working cross broader, like uh, uh, where, where Google pays taxes, do you know? Ireland. Correct. Are they incorporated, are they incorporated in Ireland? They might
1: have subsidiaries or different you know, group entities.
2: But what, we, what, what is our conclusion? Taxes are some kind of like honky-bonky thing. Like, so you think you pay like, like you, you might think what is like best for you. If you're providing cross-border, not physical service like Google. But if, let's say, you are a lawyer and you're providing the service to Australian guy, or Australian company. Who should get taxes? Like The honest answer is the country where you live, because you're using their services. That's the honest answer. But Google is mostly in which country? US. So they should pay taxes there, not in Ireland. So why is something like something is allowed to Google and not allowed to you? And that's what the OECD is trying to figure out, like how to manage that, that kind of dark system. But you understand the point of e-residency. Like, uh, it is a competition. And like today we compete, like who gets the tourists to visit their country? And OK, that's one area where we don't compete. It's a dark and uh, cold, and, and uh, <laughs> but beautiful country, obviously, but still dark and cold. So, uh, so we don't compete there. What are other ways to compete? Like, okay, education. Like, okay, with Cambridge, hard. We have good universities still. Uh, the education before universities, the best in Europe, uh, according to the PISA test, even better than Finland, but in local languages. So it doesn't mean, like, even if you are, let's say, uh, a Bulgarian or Israeli, like, and you want to give them, like, a standard education, which is the best in Europe. Like uh, there is a language primarily, like, so, so there are not too many ways like how to compete here. So I mean, life is crap. I mean, it's, it's, it's very rational. like uh, you have to think in a rational way, and then that's what Estonia is trying, to, at least we try to do as long as we got this government what we have at the moment, like which is a populist ideas, like so uh, like can't, can't, can't make that better.
1: At India is kind of, I know you're working on, you know, India as a project at the moment, you're working with JIO, and we have um, Akshay Sharma from the audience asking, uh, first of all, he wants to thank you for transforming India. Um, He's an Indian engineer based in Helsinki and Cambridge, and wants to ask you, based on your work with JIO, uh, when do you expect to be 100% internet users in India, and how do we build a similar number of capita unicorns like Estonia?
2: I mean, like, uh, first of all, uh, the the growth of internet users and uh, uh, what you have seen in India. I mean, uh, if he's based in Helsinki, like uh, the Finns actually bragged about that they are the nation that mostly use the internet in the world, and I think India has bypassed that now. Like, so, uh, so. Uh, I think GEO team and uh, who are like and the rest like who actually made internet available basically to all Indians like uh, uh, influenced uh, the country a lot. Uh, Like to reach 100% uh, like obviously it's hard like uh, but uh, I mean at least how I follow not only GEO but other great initiatives in India uh, I can like Say one thing: the government listens, private sector, the government listens, engineers, and that's always a good thing. Like uh, they have a healthcare reform at the moment going on, uh, which should significantly improve the conditions and the availability uh, uh, for all Indians, like to get like better healthcare. Like uh, so, all the reforms, like uh, they like, buy the book, and they are by the book because they are done by engineers, like who actually do things
0: by the book. Just go into the next question from the audience. I think Christina Panin asked about how did you manage patents in Estonia. Are there any lessons that other countries could learn from? And I'll probably combine that question with another one from Eva Maria on what are some of the recent new innovations that you see are coming up in Estonia.
2: Uh, like uh, it's very hard. To other, I mean, once again, like uh, Estonia doesn't do anything extraordinary. I really would like to emphasize that for example if you go in let's say and start analyzing uh, how China has built up their like uh, systems and like how they exchange uh, information and like how the digital identity and stuff has been solved and like you will end up with a result oh oh it's actually the same like in China in Estonia in Sweden uh, not too much difference because from the engineering perspective like i said all the systems are similar like you can't do it in a more like very like different way but if you have a decentralized approach or really centralized approach and even if you have centralized approach you have to decentralize because of the i'll say like from the stake of uh, of information uh, technology so uh, yes i mean the privacy and how the privacy has been seen is different in, in in china and let's say sweden but the way how the systems are built are are different. Yes, Sweden gives that power to the people to sh- to, to them to see who has approached that data. Thailand doesn't do that. That's the difference. But that's the only difference. The rest is the same. So 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 basically, if U.S. or U.K. or Australia would like to do that tomorrow, please and you should. The problem is that you didn't want to, and it's not a like engineering question that you can't. Yes, you can. It's just a question of will. Like so, so that's that's the first part of the answer. Second part, what's the next? I mean, uh, like you have to understand that the governments are reaching the place where the private sector was like 10-15 years ago. So we are like uh, the governments are reaching the, in the phase where you just have data. And now you have data and you think what good things I could do with that data. Like, I mean. Estonia is done. Uh, actually, not one, of them, but the best uh, tax collector in the world. So we are more, most efficient tax collectors by OECD. Like so, uh, we spend the least money to to collect one tax dollar. How? It's fully automated and fully transparent, and there is no cash involved. And 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 uh, we discovered that like if taxes are not high, if taxes are easy to pay. If the government does reasonable things with the tax money, people are willing to pay taxes. So you actually can lower the tax because you are so efficient with tax collection. I mean, we have a neighboring country, Latvia. Uh, we collect as much taxes as they, they do in absolute number, in absolute, not per capita, in absolute number. The difference is that they are like more than 1.7 times larger country than we are. So like mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. Like how 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 come? But that's the thing, like exactly like uh, if you are inefficient in with your systems, like uh, people want to be part of it. Uh, the second thing, like we talk about AI, machine learning, etc. It all comes down like, uh, do we have like, enough right questions to ask, like, like how our curriculum, how we teach our children, let's say, in secondary school, how that influences the salary. If you're not capable to combine private sector and, 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 and public sector data, you can never answer those questions. So that's why Anglo-Saxi countries will keep lagging behind, and that's why China, Singapore, Estonia, the Nordic countries—they can always improve with their systems and their the policies because they cannot under- They actually cannot understand the patterns and the reasoning behind the behind the scene, and that's that's the next big thing—not only for Estonia but also for other digital advanced countries. That like uh, now when we have started, like we have collected all the data, the data is more or less clean and can be used for AI and machine learning. Now we can start asking right questions, and we can actually start influencing our policies, obviously only if you don't have idiots running your country, like uh, which is the case in Estonia at the moment, so.
0: Thank you, Ravi. So to end today's talk, uh, we'll perhaps just ask you one last question, which is, do you have any advice, or closing remarks for people here? And also, I think this is related to Riley Kamina's question on especially advice for Private guf tech firms who would like to work with the public sector.
2: I mean, it's always a question: if you are after money or results. Like uh, me as an engineer, like I don't like to work for money, so there has to be a reason, like uh, why I do certain things or like why I take new challenge, take up new challenges, like uh, and. Uh, in many cases, uh, governments—they like especially politicians—they want to show off. Like they want to show to, to the world that they're doing something, and then on the same time, nothing happens. Like uh, uh, so, the OECD report about ICT development, and digital development, uh, Estonia dropped a lot uh, places, and even UK passed. Like and and like suddenly start thinking. Like, how the hell this can happen can happen because like uh you can't like change data between different registers in, in in uk or like you don't have common single unique identifiers the hospitals are not talking like so how the hell suddenly like uk is a better digitally advanced country than, than than estonia but that's the that's the beauty like like change the game rules uh put the rules that like uh, suit for you to best and you're number one like so uh when we talk about COVID, like do only reasonable things and do stuff that truly matters like and that's my suggestion and and, and cut the crap like you see like uh, a politician in government officers just wanting to do like a, there's no like like real reason like why to do so- certain things better but uh, just like let's say to get uh appointed like at the positive note like uh, in the eyes of the voters like just walk away like don't waste the time
1: It was great. There's so much and wow, so much to learn from you. And this has been a very, very exciting talk, like I see also from the chat. Uh, And for me and Edward personally, this was amazing. Uh, We really, really, really thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us at q